Although data privacy might seem like a pretty dry, technical topic, that has not stopped it from shaping some pretty big headlines lately. A high-profile crackdown in China on Didi, a ride-hailing app kind of like Uber, included concerns around the way the company was handling its users' sensitive data. Didi is not the only company on the firing line either. The trucking company Full Truck Alliance and a job listing company called Kanjun have also been targeted by the Chinese government for data privacy issues. So what does this landscape of data privacy look like in China? And how does it affect US companies operating in the country? Today, we chat with Hannah Feldshu, a business advisory services manager for USCBC in Beijing, who covers data privacy. From Washington, DC, I'm Ian Hutchinson, and this is the China Business Review Podcast. All right, so what's the general story of China's data privacy landscape? What does it look like? In recent years, China has turned substantial time, attention, and regulatory resources to establishing its data privacy regime. The landmark 2016 cybersecurity law serves as a cornerstone of this effort, helping to articulate key goals for how China will approach business data and personal information. It established that China endorses a risk-based approach, which differentiates data based on risk to national security, economic activity, and personal security. Often referred to as, as three legs of a stool, the cybersecurity law works alongside the recently passed data security law and the draft personal information protection law to provide a far-reaching legal framework to address treatment of data and data privacy. This approach has since become increasingly specialized, with regulators now considering how to pr- protect personal information within different sectors. Current trends indicate that China is working to nationalize core data that is viewed as central to national political and economic security. The potential impact of these efforts on businesses is as of yet somewhat unclear, as the personal information protection law remains unfinalized and the data security law will require additional operating regulations before it becomes enforceable. However, at present, American businesses have signaled that they face complex data privacy challenges, including increasing requirements for data localization, restrictions to cross-border data flows, and the threat of needing to duplicate operating systems to address both U.S. and Chinese compliance requirements. So what are some of the specific regulations and directives that actually govern data privacy? The cybersecurity law and the personal information protection law are China's two primary pieces of legislation to approach data privacy. But they're also associated by numerous other standards and regulations that help to operationalize these broad principles and set requirements for both businesses and regulators. The cybersecurity law implements the Multi-Layer Protection Scheme, MLPS, which differentiates risks caused by potential data breaches, imposing increasing compliance requirements based on the impact of these breaches. For example, levels one and two require relatively little compliance, while levels three and above may require companies to provide law enforcement with sensitive data or necessitate frequent reviews and inspections. The Personal Information Protection Law, the last and as of yet only unfinalized element in China's fundamental data policy building blocks, establishes standards for treatment of personal information. It relies primarily on user consent, which differs from other international references, as the key rationale for data collection, and emphasizes the need to notify users of the intended recipient, purpose, and scope of collection. While the personal information protection law is as of yet unfinalized, it is preceded by standards that have already been released, most notably the personal information security specification. Now comparing the specification and the law, provides key clues as to how data privacy standards are changing over time and also offers some indicators as to potential next steps for the law. Now, 
one of the most noticeable differences between the specification and the law is that the specification is only a recommended national standard, while the law is, as the name suggests, legally binding and accompanied by penalties and legal liabilities as such. Another thing is, is the purpose of both of these documents. While the specification proposes best practices and references for Chinese authorities, the law imposes requirements on companies and then also allows for authorities to conduct inspections. There also are some key differences in the concept of consent between both documents. Within the specification, there are two types of consent, explicit and general. However, within the personal information protection law, separate and written consent are also added to this list. At present, the definition of these, these terms are pretty undefined. Also, requiring separate, meaning per data transaction consent, for every cross-border data transfer is a looming and large concern for businesses, as it would lead to an inevitable interruption in services if every time a user is asked to consent, they choose to then say no. And then the business would have to, to cease their service, potentially not being able to fulfill their contractual obligations. Another big change between the specification and the law is Article 57 within the Personal Information Protection Law, which requires basic internet platform service providers, um, which are, are platforms that have a large number of users and complex operating systems, to fulfill a variety of obligations. These obligations include establishing an independent and external supervisory body to monitor personal information processing practices, ending services to products or services um, on their platform that violate privacy requirements, and authoring and publishing a regular personal information responsibility report. So essentially, this is a huge expansion of what platforms would be expected to do to police the expanding, uh, most likely, but at the very least, large volume of products or services operating on their platform. So how do those regulations and directives affect, say, U.S. companies operating in China? Member companies are facing increasingly broad data-related challenges, the most high-profile of which are perhaps data localization requirements, limitations to cross-border data flows, and lack of clarity regarding how these new laws will work in tandem with one another. Regarding data localization, companies are increasingly encouraged or pressured to localize a range of data, which could relate to its users, suppliers, and other normal business operations. These requirements raise concerns of regulatory overreach, unnecessary and costly duplication of data centers, and increased costs from data reviews and evaluations. Restrictions on cross-border data flows are, is another challenge uh, facing foreign businesses operating in China. Cross-border transmission of data is a key way that multinational corporations aggregate sales and marketing data, user information, and production data, all of which serve as crucial component of normal business operations and effort to grow your business. Draft um, or finalized requirements will require certain types of data or certain volumes of data to be subject to cross-border data restrictions. These include undergoing a security review, at times per every incident of transfer, requiring a contract between sender and recipient that is as of yet uh, containing unclear requirements, or undergoing stringent management based on type of data. There's also a huge lack of clarity regarding enforcement. Broadly speaking, businesses are faced with unclear terminology, discriminatory challenges, and overlapping or at times contradictory compliance requirements. Unclear terminology leaves businesses with a confusing and shifting goalpost. The discriminatory element, which is included in documents such as the July 2020 cybersecurity review measures, 
means that political factors could be grounds for enforcing some of these cybersecurity review or compliance measures. Given the current bilateral climate, these provisions add additional uncertainty. Additionally, it's not clear how this raft of laws and regulations will work together when they're enforced, leaving businesses to speculate which ministries and agencies will prove more proactive in enforcement, and also which regimes will ultimately uh, take precedent. Mm -hmm. So how can companies best navigate the issues that come from these regulations then? At present, companies are unsure how to address many of these emerging laws, given that most, as of yet, are not operational. Most will require additional regulations to transform them from broad principles to implementable frameworks. In the interim, businesses are angling to both understand some of the compliance requirements while avoiding making any costly operational changes that could ultimately prove unnecessary. With all that in mind, there are six basic key approaches that companies are using to address this problem. The first is the wait and see strategy. For this strategy, as the name suggests, companies are working to closely monitor regulatory developments from China offices, but are refraining from making potentially costly operational changes until the compliance impact is clear. At present, most member companies I've spoken to indicate that they're opting for this strategy. The second is mapping their data privacy footprint. Companies are also mapping their data privacy and data collection standards as a means of understanding potential areas of risk paying particular attention to any sensitive data or cross-border data transfers. Third is differentiating risk levels. Some companies that have already assessed their data and privacy practices may then choose to differentiate their data privacy risk levels based on department. After assigning each unit a risk rating, they can then weigh these risks against the department's importance to their overall China strategy. And they may choose to make operational adjustments accordingly. Fourth is aligning internal strategies. Companies are also working to understand and assess their data privacy practices comprehensively, involving a full range of departments from HR to IT to government affairs, etc. Some companies are then setting up a data security and privacy practice task force with representatives from different units to ensure that all components of the company are briefed on potential compliance concerns and can accurately communicate with headquarters on compliance risks in real time. The fifth is actively gathering information. So understanding strategies adopted by competitors or you know, other peers is another approach to safeguarding against data privacy-related policy risks. Some have reflected that they're even actively expanding their memberships in Chinese local trade associations to stay up to date with other local best practices, as well as pursue additional avenues for advocacy. Finally, engaging with regulators. The upside and downside of China's data privacy regime is that it's very much a work in progress. In recognition of that, companies are continuing to engage with regulators to advocate for pro-business policy changes, including via platforms like USCBC, and are working to clarify the scope and key definitions within these emerging regulations. And what does the future look like? I mean, are there other changes coming up on the horizon that companies need to be aware of? Recently revised personal information protection law is also anticipated to be further amended and passed this year. This will impose other compliance concerns and penalties. Concerns include that the law will restrict grounds for data collection, mandate unnecessary and duplicate user notification, and restrict use of personal information which would normally be allowed in regular business operations. Now, given that previous rounds of call for comment have not resulted in serious changes to key areas of concern, most anticipate that the law will be passed largely as is. Against the backdrop of these broader changes, the Cyberspace Administration of China has also launched an ongoing crackdown on use of personal information within mobile apps, primarily on the grounds that 
Businesses are violating terms of usage and are excessively collecting personal information. Hundreds of businesses have already been impacted by this notification and rectification process, and this is anticipated to continue as laws are finalized. Now, thus far, it seems that businesses are not given sufficient time to make needed technical changes. There aren't sufficient channels open for communication with the CAC, and that it's unclear in advance what areas or sectors might be targeted, which makes it hard for businesses to know how to prepare uh, to perhaps reevaluate their mobile app data collection practices. Another area to watch is MLPS 2.0 evaluation and certification. Now, as the data security law has recently passed and these other laws are falling into place, compliance with MLPS 2.0 is anticipated to largely expand, uh, with businesses in places like Shanghai already reporting that authorities are working to proactively encourage compliance, despite the unfinalized status of some core regulations around that regime. The China Business Review podcast is a production of the U.S. China Business Council and is also a companion to our digital magazine of the same name. You can read more articles about the U.S.-China economic and business relationship at ChinaBusinessReview.com. If you do like the show, you should leave it a rating and review as it will help other people find it. And as always, thanks very much for listening, and we'll be back soon.